This is the Word Talk Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Word Talk Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Ruth Makes an Appeal, and it comes from Ruth 3. Christian Radio is not free. If you enjoy this radio ministry, your offering to this ministry will aid in the expense of keeping the Word Talk Bible class on the air as a witness for Jesus. By making a charitable contribution, you are helping reach people in our listening area and over the internet. You can make a donation safely and securely by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information over the phone. Or send us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved of the 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Today, we pick back up in our study with the book of Ruth. Then we look at Ruth chapter 3, and we see an appeal that Ruth makes. And we'll dive into that deeper in just a minute, but I'll give you a quick background where we're at. So we have a family that's living in Bethlehem. This is the promised land. The Jews are there now, the children of Israel, and a famine comes upon the land. That's ironic because Bethlehem means the house of bread, but there's a famine in the house of bread. They leave Judea. They go down to Moab. There, Elimelech dies. His two sons marry Moabite women. They both die. This happens over a 10-year period. By this time, the famine's over, and Naomi, the mother, decides that she is going to go back to the house of bread. And she decides she's going to go back to her people, the Jewish people. And she tells her two daughter-in-laws, go remarry. I have no more, more sons. I can't do anything to help you. You're still young. Go marry. Orpha decides to do that. She leaves, but Ruth tells her, no, your people are my people. I will stay with you until death. So they both go back to Jerusalem. Now remember, Jerusalem's a small town, and as they come back in, everybody says, is this Naomi? And Naomi shows us her bitterness towards God for what's happened. She blames God for a decision that she and Elimelech made to leave the hand of protection, to leave the promised land. And she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitterness. Naomi means pleasant. Yet she wasn't pleasant anymore. She wasn't happy. She was bitter towards God. We see in chapter 2 that Ruth gets up early in the morning and she's going to go glean in the fields. This was a tradition out of Leviticus that was taught by, the, by Moses' law that you left a little bit for the widows and the orphans. Anyhow, so she's going behind these reapers in this harvest when all of a sudden she comes upon a field. The Bible says she just so happened. It also says there just so happened to be a man named Boaz. And she just so happens to come along Boaz's field. And she just so happens to be there when Boaz shows up. And Boaz says, hey, I God bless y'all. Thank you for your hard work. He is a great leader. He's a worthy man. And that's what the Bible says about him, that he's a worthy man. But he asked the question, who is this woman in our field? I know everybody, but I don't know her. The leader of that field says, yes, that's Ruth. And she's been here walking behind us and picking up and gleaning. She asked if she could, and we said yes. 
And so we see at the very end of chapter 2 that Ruth comes back and because of the grace and the loving kindness that Boaz has given her, be aware this is no nothing in return. Matter of fact, he doesn't even know that what's about to happen in chapter 3. Boaz just shows kindness because he knows her character. He knows of her story. And so Boaz takes pity on her and he shows grace. One of the things that we can learn from this book is that Boaz is a foreshadowing of our Redeemer. And we see here in chapter 3 that he is a kinsman redeemer. At the very end, when Ruth tells Naomi how she got this 50 pounds of grain, how there was this man named Boaz and he was kind to her, he said that I could glean in his field. And look what he did. He gave us this extra barley. Just didn't so happen, but it was the invisible hand of a good God. It was his providence that sent root to the right field. It was God's providence that had a kinsman, a redeemer there, and that Ruth just so happened, no divine appointment, and meets Boaz. What I want you to remember that I told you last week is that I don't know what you're going through, but God is bigger than anything, and God wants what's best for you. And even though it looked gleam, and even though it looked bad for Ruth and Naomi, God's invisible hand turned things and found favor. We saw God's favor come upon them because they made the decision to leave the pagan land and go back to the promised land. And so here's where we pick up in in chapter 3. Turn with me to chapter 3. We'll start with verse 1. We'll read through verse 5. I'm reading out of the ESV. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? So he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he finishes eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. And let's stop right there. If this sounds like a bad idea, it really was. There is so much that could have gone wrong. What you have here is you have this mother-in-law, Naomi, that has seen the invisible hand of a good God. And so she decides to not wait any longer, but she's going to take things into her own hands and try to make things move right on along. And so she tells her daughter-in-law, she says, look, it's about time that you find a good home, that you have this happy life, that you have a husband again. And isn't Boaz really our closest relative? Go down there. Go get dolled up, go take a bath, put on your best perfume, put on your most seductive dress, and then go down there in the middle of the night while it's dark and no one can see. Watch Boaz because he's going to be drinking and he's going to be eating and he's he's probably going to get a little tipsy. Find out where he is, lay down there with him, tell him your intentions, tell him that you want him to marry you, and let's just see what he says. Does that not sound like a bad idea? Let's just think about all that could have gone wrong in this picture. First of all, God is doing a work here. His invisible hand and the process is in place. Naomi decides to get ahead of God. How many times have we done this? It seems like we have God's favor and it seems like this is what God wants. So guess what? We're going to just 
Go ahead and speed things along. Don't worry, God, I got it from here. No, we wait on God's timing because God's timing is always right. And there's so much that could have gone wrong with what Naomi tells Ruth to do. Yet because of the favor of God and because that Boaz was a good man, the two of those are the reason why this winds up ending out okay. But this could have turned terribly, horribly wrong really quick. Next, Naomi says, hey, go down to the threshing floor. Now, look, this is outside the city. If you remember about a threshing floor, we've covered this in previous lessons. A threshing floor was typically on a hill because they had to separate the wheat from the chaff. And the way they would do that is they would go up on a hill where wind could get there. They would put out a blanket of some type or maybe what we would consider a sheet, throw it up in the air and the shaft was so light, the wind would blow it away, but the heavy wheat would fall back onto the blanket. And that's how they would separate it. So this is outside the city. So you don't have the protection of the city. It's not gonna be lighted. So they're out in the wilderness. They're out wherever they're doing. They're out among the mountains because remember that it's not like the Delta that we have in Mississippi. This would have been you know, where some green grass grows, where there's water that's running down off the mountains. We also know that there were mountain lions and there were bears because David kills, he says, a, a lion and a bear when they attacked the sheep while he was watching them. So think about what Naomi has set her daughter up for. She's put her in a place of danger. She sent her out outside the city in the middle of the night, in the dark, and does she know that Boaz is going to be there? No, she doesn't. But yet where these men were, it was very common that women of the night, hookers would come out there and they would sell themselves to these men that have worked all day in the field and were on the threshing floor. So now here comes a woman that is looking for Boaz, they may mistake her, especially after drinking alcohol, because it says after he's had plenty to eat and drink and he gets ready to lie down. Think about what would have happened if this woman shows up looking for a good time or though they think and they've been drinking. So Naomi has put Ruth in a very bad situation. Now it finishes up uh, in verse four where she says, lie at his feet and let him know that you are available for marriage. You know, what, he's, what she's saying there is that, and this custom was, it, it says lie at his feet. If you go back in Isaiah, it really translates that you would uncover his legs. And so this is not some custom. This is really what would happen. And so she's saying, go uncover his legs let him know you're there and let's just see what he does. And the last thing I'll say, because we need to move on, Ruth does show her obedience and that her following of her mother-in-law, she shows that she is one that will be true and faithful. And Ruth says, if you say so, then I'll go do it. I'll do as just as you've told me. So she went down to the threshing floor and she put her mother's plan into action. That's what verse six says. Let's look at that. Look with me at verse six. So she went down to the threshing floor and she did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of a heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And at midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. 
Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And we'll stop right there. The first thing I want to do is let you understand the culture at that time and what is a family redeemer. If you remember, if you go all the way back to Exodus, you'll see that the Israelites go into the promised land. They are given the land. The land is divided up by tribes and then by family, and everyone is given an inheritance. But what God knew and had wisdom is that there would be times when people would lose their inheritance. There are some of you listening to me today that it was beyond your control. For whatever reason, you have lost your inheritance. We like to think that it's always because that there was a bad decision. And maybe most of the time that may be the case. There was a bad decision. If we didn't listen to what God had for us, we didn't do our homework for whatever reason. Or maybe we just didn't know what we didn't know. But for whatever reason, we lost that inheritance. Sometimes people just blow it. You hear about the people that win the lotto and within years, it's all gone. They're rich and then the the next couple of years, they're poor. They don't have two nickels to rub together. What God understood and what you may understand is that sometimes we lose our inheritance, whether it was bad on our decision or if it was just life dealt us a bad hand at some point in time. But through this teaching, we see the heart of God, that God does not want us to have to go through life as a loser. Now, we may decide to do that, but God's heart is that he wants to be a redeemer. Jesus was the ultimate redeemer, and we see the foreshadowing here of the redeemer. And Jesus redeems us from the curse that Adam brought upon us when he sinned in the garden. And so here we see this redeemer idea that was set back by God through the law of Moses. So the idea of the kinsman redeemer that we see right here is that a close relative to keep the laws from leaving the family, from leaving what was given the inheritance, they could come in and they could purchase all that back. Now there's a second piece of this. It was a thing called a Leverite marriage. Now, lever means brother. And so what happened in the culture back in this day was that if a brother died and there was no child, then the other brother would come and marry that woman and the first child would take his name so that his legacy could live on. Now, the Jews took it even further that it didn't have to just be a brother. It could even be a close relative And so there was a hierarchical order that this went by. First would be a brother and then maybe a cousin and then a second cousin. And in that order, the man would have an opportunity to be a kinsman redeemer, buy back and have this Leverite marriage. Again, all this ties back to the heart of God and God didn't want there to be loss. And he, again, he didn't want women or widows to have to struggle. And so that's why this was put into place, that it would minimize the loss. There wasn't a social security like there is today. So this gave them a way of having some person that could take care of them. So what we see right here in verse nine is that Ruth says to him, will you marry me? You are a close relative. You are my redeemer. Take me under your wing. Will you marry me? Now, you may be thinking right now, well, Tim, you just told us about the kinsman redeemer. Why would this be uh, a bad thing? 
Well, you got to understand the custom was that a woman did not ask a man. This is not normal. This is going outside the normal way that this would have gone about. The man would have made the decision that I'm going to marry her. I'm going to redeem her. I'm going to restore. I'm not going to let there be loss in this family. The woman would never have a say in it. But here we see that Ruth listens to Naomi, who gets ahead of what God's order would have been, and she asks, will you marry me? Will you take care of me? Will you take me under your wing? We see that Naomi's plan was not the norm, but we also see why that Boaz was a worthy man. Because look at his response, and that's what I want to look at. Let's look at verses 10 through 13. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. So there's three things I really want you to see that Boaz does. So the first thing Boaz does in his wisdom and in his worthiness and in his character, he says, hey, let's not rush this. Let's be patient. Let's go through the right process. So think about it. Here's Boaz. He's laid down. He's gone to sleep. He wakes up and he finds this beautiful woman and he's half unclothed because she's taken and moved, laid down by his feet. She's moved his cloak. And so he's startled. He wakes up. He finds this beautiful woman. What does he say? May the Lord bless you. I know some of you would wake up and find this beautiful woman. You may say bless you, but it'll be a different kind of blessing you're thinking of than what Boaz. Boaz immediately brings God into it. I want what God wants for us. May God bless you. And women, those that are single, that are listening to me, if a man asks you to do something that takes you out of the will of God, if a man asks you to do something, if he tries to get you to break what the Bible teaches, and he says that he loves you, but yet he's not willing to marry you, then you should have warning lights going off. You should hear sirens in your head. Boaz is a great example. Here's someone that could have taken advantage of Ruth, but he didn't. He said, I want God to bless you, and I don't want to do anything that would taint your reputation because you have a good reputation among the townspeople. So Boaz says, may you be blessed by the Lord. But then look what he says. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and you have gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear, for I will do for what you will ask. For all my fellow townsmen know you are a worthy, worthy woman. And it's true that I'm a redeemer, but there's someone closer to me, so remain the night, and we'll work on this tomorrow. And so what he says here, he says, look, I'm interested. I do want to take this to the next step, but I'm not willing to lose my blessing from God. I'm not willing to let you lose your blessing from God. I'm not willing to take this like your mother-in-law is 
And just because it looks like everything and the hand of God is in this, if this is of God, then everything will work out. But let's go through the process. Boaz was a worthy man because he was wise and he was willing to be patient. And think about that. How many times have we been in a car and we get frustrated because someone's not going fast enough? Or we get frustrated in a line because these people are taking too long? The focus is on us. We're upset. We're not being patient because it's about us. And Boaz shows us that it's not supposed to be just about us. Boaz could have said, ooh, you showed up at my grain floor and you look so good. You're so hot. You smell so good. Let's take care of this. Let's do this. But that's not what he does. He is patient and he's willing to go through the process. The second thing we see here is that Boaz shows honor and character, not just for himself, but for Naomi as well. So again, I told you that the town people know your reputation. So what he finishes up in verse 13 and he says, remain tonight and in the morning, if he will redeem you, go let it be done. But if he will not redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. So lie down until morning. But I want you to see verse 14 with me right here. So she laid at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again, he knew the character. He knew her reputation. And it could have, he said, look, I want you to be safe. So lay down, go to sleep. We see that in verse 13. But in verse 14, get up before people can recognize you. Before daylight really comes while it's still dark. Not too dark that you can't see, not too dark so that there's danger of lions and bears, but still before someone can recognize you and get out of here. So we see that Boaz is worried about her character, but also look at what he says. In the morning, we will see if the closer relative wants to marry you, and if he does, so be it. But if he doesn't, then I will take care of it. And that's another thing we need to see that he wants God's way. He shows his godly character that he wants Ruth. He's saying, I will marry you, but I'm not going to do it if God has another plan for you, which is the closer relative to redeem you. Too many times we're willing to give up what God has for us because we aren't patient and we aren't willing to be godly, honoring characters of God and put our trust in him. And what we see right here is that Boaz puts his trust in God and he says, Hey, I'm not going to defile your character, and I'm also going to go through the process that God has. And if there's someone that you should be with besides me, then so be it. I want to marry you. You want to marry me. But we need to make sure that God wants us to be joined together. He's not willing to settle on what he wants. He's willing to listen to what God wants for him. And that goes back to that patience and understanding, and as we understand people and we want stuff for people, what's good for them, we immediately get patience. And the last thing we see is that Boaz not only was patient, he not only honored and character, but he also respected the family. Boaz shows favor towards this family again. He's already done it once. We saw that in at the end of chapter two, where he gave her 50 pounds of barley. But he says in verse 15, look at it with me. And he says, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. And she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and he put it on her. 
and then she went into the city. Boaz understands is that Naomi has sent Ruth here, and he can't send her back empty-handed. Now, Naomi was hoping Ruth would come back with a wedding band or with a, uh, an engagement ring, but what Boaz sends back is he honors the family by sending her six measures of barley, saying, okay, I'm going to take care of your family. And the way he shows the honor is that he shows that. So again, Naomi's not gotten what she wants yet, but she at least sees that Boaz is responding and showing favor back to the family by providing for them. Now that six measures of barley doesn't sound like a whole lot, but that would have been even more than the 50 pounds. That would have been right at 100 pounds of grain that she had to carry back through the city that morning. And then we see the final wrap-up of it. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? And then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measure of barley he gave me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So Naomi asked, what did he say? And of course, he gave her the six scoops of barley. But what he really said is, I don't want you to go home empty-handed. He's sending a message to Naomi saying, I know what you're trying to do here. And I'm in, I'm all good with it, but I'm not going to do it out of the will of God. I'm going to go through the right channels. I'm going to go through the right process. And I am going to be patient, and you should too. He is sending a message to Naomi that you are going to be okay. You can trust in the providential hand of God. you got to understand, he doesn't know for sure he's going to be able to marry uh, Ruth or not. But we will see that in chapter 4. But what he's sending a message and what we should learn from this today is that there is a process. There is a redeemer and you're going to be okay. Things may look bleak. You may not be able to see the outcome. We're able to see the outcome here because we're able to read ahead and look at chapter four. But in chapter one, Naomi was bitter because she blamed God for what had happened to her. And what Boaz is saying to her, there is a redeemer that is going to take care of you. Yes, you've had a bad curse put on you, but we are going to redeem that. God, if you put your trust in God, God is going to redeem that. And in closing, that's what I would want to tell you today is that we had the curse of Adam on us. But there is an ultimate redeemer. That redeemer is Jesus Christ. He came and he bore your sins on the cross. He bore the sins of the whole world. Jesus went to the cross and he bore all our sins. He bore all your sins and he took it to the cross and he was the ultimate sacrifice, the sinless, spotless lamb that was slain for your sin. He did that on the cross. And then he went and he overcame death in the grave and rose on the third day and went back to be with the Father. And it's through Jesus's, his righteousness, through Jesus's blood that we're able to sin and still stand before a holy God. The Bible says that we have a sin or a stain on us, but Jesus's blood washes us white as snow. 
today. There is a redeemer. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what decision you made. Maybe you made a decision to go to that pagan land. Maybe you made a decision that didn't turn out and you lost your inheritance. Whatever is going on, I will tell you, and I stand here on the word of God saying that there is a redeemer for you and he loves you and he's going to take care of you. And that is the message that Naomi gets when Boaz sends that grain back. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and I pray for that one that you've just laid on my heart. Lord, I feel it. I feel your Holy Spirit ticking at my heart that there's someone listening that needed to hear that God loves them and that he is a good father. Lord, that he wants what's best for them. Maybe they made a decision where they lost their inheritance. Maybe they, they need that redeemer. We all need that redeemer because we have the curse of sin on us. And Lord, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. Lord, I pray for those that don't know Jesus, that today would be the day. Lord, that they would ask Jesus to be Lord of their life. They would accept him as Savior. They would admit their sinner that they need him, and they would accept him, and they would believe on his finished work on the cross. I pray for those that right now that need to come back to you. They went to that foreign land. They went to that pagan land. Lord, I pray right now that we would go back, that that person would go back. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. We're going to give you all the praise and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.